I'm James Moore from Stratford High School. You listen to the 615 Prep Podcast. Everybody. Welcome into the 615 Preps Podcast for week number 10 of the high school football season in Middle Tennessee. Chris Brooks with you. Scott Burton, Christian Caposi, fellas, you know how to do. What's up? How you doing? Week 10, man. This this thing has flown by. It goes by so quick oh every year. It's the quickest season of all. I, I know. It's just like every Monday. It's like we always say that, but here we are. I mean. Two weeks to go. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it, it seems... Just like yesterday, this thing, whole thing was kicking off. Yeah, it's an interesting time for a lot of teams right now because you got teams that are getting in playoff mode, you got some teams that are fighting to get in playoff mode, and then you got some teams that are just you know playing for respect the rest of the way. It's yeah. it's a real interesting dynamic right yeah. now. Yeah, but I, I tell you, it's not all our fault for feeling this way. It just now turned fall. That yeah, is no, true. Right. <laughs> that it, is it true. Took, it, I mean, it's only been football weather for like two weeks. Yeah, it, it took a long time to get there. So uh, we're, we're definitely definitely glad of it but uh got plenty to talk about this week so let's let's dive right in uh week nine had some interesting results as well we start on thursday night scott you and i were both there at east nashville stratford wins 14 to 7 and takes second in that region but that's not the story james moore was yeah uh definitely uh the magic moore show that night uh you know 58 carries which is tied the uh State record for it's 56, uh, wasn't it? Was it 56? 56. I'm sorry, I gave him two more. Well, who knew? <laughs> hey, he, he may have actually carried two more when we were doing this podcast. Well, well so. at one point, he carried all of the Eagles, the goal line, the goal post, part of Bridgestone Arena. <laughs> <laughs> he was unstoppable. Look, he didn't take any plays off on defense either. I mean, he was out there for the majority of the snaps. He came off for special teams, and that was about it. I mean, we call him they call him magic more more like iron man more uh, really uh, we have some we had some really good video that we put up of uh, one run where he was i mean literally carrying six seven people chris had a a wonderful shot that's on the website of this i mean and it was always and, and it, it wasn't big chunks but it was three yards here four yards there everything the pile moving forward always they ran I think five plays where they didn't give him the ball. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah, I mean they didn't throw. They didn't throw a single pass. They didn't throw a single pass. No, I mean, they didn't have to. No, they they didn't need to. They controlled the clock. East Nashville's offense struggled into this one. It's their second consecutive loss after a six and zero start, and now they're going to be on the road in the playoffs for sure. Uh, Brian Waite's squad was known for its defense before this game, but Stratford's defense was the one that really took care of this one too. But uh, Got actually to talk to James Moore after that one, and uh, here's kind of what he had to say about it. Got James Moore after his record time performance with 56 carries against East Nashville. James, you barely came off the field at all. I mean, 56 carries, you played all the snaps on defense. First off, how you feeling? I feel good. I can keep going. <laughs> hey, it's a big win for you guys, too. It's big for playoff seating. It's big for the region. Uh, what did tonight mean for this team overall, not just any sort of record? 
for us to step up. We just stepped up, played, played a big game. We was, we, we was wanting to be second. Everybody was underestimating us, talking about we're not good and all that. We just push every day at practice. Seems like the last few weeks you've had something really special going on. Now, how do you explain, though, your performance in the last month? Good. I could have had six more. I could have had 300. The coach is just taking me out the game. Just arrest me for big games like this. Yeah. Hey, big games have been coming up really big for this team, and now you guys are going to be in second place. I mean, how important is it to be playing really well and getting big wins down the stretch when the playoffs are coming up like this? It's good. It's good. Uh, really... We was just pushing ourselves to be second place. It's so important to have a playoff, home playoff game. Did you have any sort of idea how many carries you have? Or? No, sir. <laughs> uh, I mean, defensively, uh, you had some big plays against Starling, too. I mean, badge up behind him one-on-one. -on -one. Now, how important were you on defense as far as manning up against him and taking him out of the game? He's a good player. He's a good player. But I just I feel like I'm the best player. Uh, no, you got a couple weeks left to get ready for the playoffs. So what's the most, biggest thing this team's got to do to really be going when the first round hits? Stay focused. Stay focused. Well, yeah, yeah, he he's right. You know, just staying focused and, and staying on the, on their path is, is going to be the big thing for them. I, the thing that impressed me was Coach Porter. Uh, what he was talking about, and I think we have this. Uh, you know, I have this in his interview, but he talks about the game plan and where he got the game plan from. Big rivalry game. He came in here. With the, their vaunted defense, how did you attack? What was your plan to attack them tonight? I, I mean, all night long, all year long, I mean, we ride our workhorse. Magic, James Magic Moore is a special kid, and, it, and it's because he works so hard on and off the field. He's brought his grades up uh, from when I met him as a freshman to now as a senior, uh, and he, he's a special kid, man, and, and we rode him, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's good things happen when you stick with it. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you were able to shut down their – passing game what did you do defensively to stop that well i don't know if you guys know but our defensive coordinator uh cromwell stewart has only given up six points a game for the last month in five games it's something ridiculous that's going on over there on that defensive side but it starts with our senior leadership uh malik johnson gets our guys lined up from top to bottom he's our free safety and then we got dwight Menifee at d tackle and justin house at d tackle who play outstanding all year long and your offensive line, they did a good job of controlling the line. They got a good push. What do you think about those guys? I mean, they're a special group, and, and literally our guys go both ways because we have to. It's 3A football. We have a lot of guys that are, are on the next tier. They're, they're on the way up. But uh, Justin House, Dwight Menifee, Diegas Harris, Jordan Thompson, and, and Carlton Williams, they do a great job up front, and, and they, they open huge lanes for James Moore. Awesome, Coach. Well, thank you very much. I'm not going to take any more of your time. Yes, sir. You go celebrate the victory, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Day. Yes, sir. My understanding was is that they looked at the weaknesses of East Nashville uh, out of that Pearl Cone game, and they realized that East Nashville was going to be susceptible to the run. And they had two weeks to do that as well because East Nashville had a bye week before this last game. So, you know, Stratford's defense and, and like uh, – Thomas Porter said that they've won five in a row. They're they're giving up an average of five points per game in that streak. Yeah, I, it's like you said. That the story was the story going in was East Nashville's 
defense. The story coming out was Stratford's yep. defense. Well, another story I'd bring up now is the East Nashville's offense because it's now two weeks in a row. They they were shut out against Pearl Cone and now just seven against Stratford. they got two games left. They'll go out of region, on the road at Good Pasture, and then they'll close out the year against Republic. That offense got to answer some questions rest of the way. Well, that schedule they've got left will give them time to get right before the postseason. And honestly, I still think that they're going to be able to win at least a round uh, in the playoffs just because – I think that their, their region's a little bit stronger. Yeah, that's not a uh, – that's if you're a team in an opposite region hosting a playoff game and you have to see East Nashville come to your place, <laughs> that's not yeah, good. Yeah, you didn't – yeah. What what reward for doing well, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be Camden that's going to be their first-round opponent. So, that's, that's not uh, a matchup Camden really wants, I don't think. But uh, they're going to get it. But uh, we need to move on. Uh, another game that was, you know, pivotal for its region – Brentwood over Franklin. Uh, we thought Franklin might be able to hang for a little while. It just wound up being 33-7 Brentwood. And Brentwood clinches the region title that win. Already. I mean, this was supposed to be, you know, Ravenwood, Brentwood, Independence down the stretch. And Brentwood's taking care of business this entire season. Uh, they had the one hiccup earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was uh, Henry County that they lost to. Yep. Since then, no other blemishes on their record. Uh, and, and it all starts on offense. Granzow, just all-around great player. 19-24, 258 yards, uh, two uh, touchdowns in the air, two on the ground. Uh, guy just leads the offense, and then the uh, their defense takes care of the rest. Yeah, Franklin needed a perfect game to win this. They didn't get it. Uh, you're starting with a bad punt safety, and then they you know get a turnover in their own end. Bruins are up 16 to nothing before you know it. So you're automatically behind the eight ball. It just not anything they could really overcome at that point. Yeah, Brentwood, their non-region schedule as hard as it is, it, it doesn't get any easier. Knoxville Catholic comes calling this week, and it's a game we'll actually talk about in a little bit. Um, they're going to be ready for the postseason. I mean, regardless of you know what happens in these last two weeks, because the schedule is enough for them to to keep preparing. Yeah, I think they're going to be primed for a deep run. Yeah, McGavick. Over Laverne. Now, a lot of people were not talking about this game beforehand, but let me tell you something. That's the upset of the week. This is a huge, huge loss, especially in Region 5, 6A, because with a lot of people, with this loss, you've got to look down the road now. Because McGavick, first win of the year, they all of a sudden have a path to the playoffs. Yep. They're 1-7 yes. right now with Antioch and John Overton left on their schedule. Yep. And for Laverne, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. They've got Smyrna at home and then have to go to Cane Ridge. Yeah, that, that uh, Laverne-Smyrna game now is critical for, for that region to see where those four finish out. Well, you know how to lose to an 0-7 team? Turn the ball over. There were four turnovers led to 21 points. You just can't do that against a team that's hungry for its first win. Yeah. You know, you know, you're talking about a McGavick a team that averaged giving up 37 points per game and only averaging less than 12 points a game on offense. And, you know, you put let them put up 21 right away. I will say props to McGavick and head coach Jay Gore. It has been, it's been a tough year for the Raiders. And then now all of a sudden they, they find themselves still relevant. And I'll say this too just because I've kind of a part of this. Overton's still alive. And, you know, it's an upset away for them to still be uh, able. So, Laverne, they, if they win one of these games against Smyrna or Cane Ridge, they're in. But those are two teams that you really don't want to have to be in that situation. Yeah, McGavick was in danger of missing the playoffs for the first time since 2011. Now, as you said, they've got that path to the postseason. 
And who knows? I mean, Stratford did it last year. I mean, could we be talking about McGavick making some sort of run? Why not? I, it just takes it just takes that run. It just takes uh, playing together for a few weeks. But th- this is just a, a really, especially for Laverne, which I've seen them several times now this year. They went to Wilson Central a couple weeks ago and won a nasty one in the weather, won fourteen to twelve at Wilson Central. They've won some big games this year, yep. and they they just this is like you said, Scott. You turned it over four or five times. That's just not the way you're going to win ball games. And now the they're going to have to make up for this loss if they want to get in and, and play in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, they still had a chance. I mean, fourth and goal and throw a pick to end the game. And so they still had a chance, and it just didn't work for them. Now, I'd be curious to see if they get to week 11 and Cambridge has nothing to play for, you know, what might, what might happen there because Cambridge has that region locked up. And I will say this. There's a lot of mix-up in between. That two, three, four, so much left to be determined. And the cool thing about Region 5, 6A is all these teams got to play each other. Yep. Stewart's yeah. Creek and Smyrna, and then you got then you got Laverne in that mix. Right now, two through six is undetermined. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 definitely a mix-up. And one game basically kind of flipped it on its head a bit with Laverne, you know, falling to McGavick, but uh, – Definitely one to keep an eye on in the last couple of weeks is now the, all those games become a little bit bigger. Another one that was huge in Rutherford County, the, the Battle of Borough. Oakland 31, Riverdale 14. The first time this year Oakland has not played with a running clock. Right, right. I mean, honestly, it looked like the Patriots were going to dominate this one early. Uh, they take the opening two drives and they get points. Get a touchdown from Tim Pinnell, and then they turn around and they get a field goal. And – it was 17 to nothing at the half. Riverdale was able to move the ball, and but you know they had trouble with consistency, keeping drives moving, and uh, you know they have a bend don't break defense, uh, so it, it really Riverdale, Riverdale was actually able to move the ball running, move the ball passing. Uh, you know the really the star of this game was Tim Pinnell, who was a reserve behind uh, B.J. Kennard before he got injured. And this was Jordan Brown's first game back, so he didn't carry a lot of the offense. Uh, we had uh, Tim Pinnell. We actually interviewed him after the game. How hyped up were you for this game this week? Man, we were super hyped up since Sunday. We came and watched film on Sunday, came in on Monday, and we, we hit the ground running first period, got to practice, and then we um, worked out and went straight to a walkthrough. Kept saying this game is bigger than us. This, it's a big rivalry for many years, so he kept saying this game bigger than us, game bigger than us, and we got to see that tonight. Well, now, the first half, you came out that first drive and made and, and got that score. How big was it getting out in front? Getting out in front is big. We always we always say stay on their neck, stay on top of them, and to go out and do that, we got the momentum early and we and we did what we were supposed to do. We always try to come out the gate as strong as we can. Now they start they started making a comeback second half there. Uh, what did the coach say at halftime to get you guys prepared for that? Um, he basically said that we're only hurting ourselves. Mental errors as simple as not going in motion. Even though you're not getting the ball, it's just the small things. Small things can actually hurt us. If 11 people aren't on the same page, then you know it can mess us up. Right. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. Um, well, you guys hang in there. You got bragging rights. Yes, sir. <laughs> right now. Um, you know, what do you what do you personally get out of this game? What I got out of this game the most, 
I say happiness because I continue, I continue to run behind the best O-line. These, these guys are just making the holes wide for me. They're doing what they need to do. They come in Sunday when we watch film, Monday, 7.15 in the morning, and I can rely on those guys, and they, they put me on their back. I tell you what you take away from that interview is just that entire team culture. Yep. You get in there on Sunday, and then you ask about, hey, what do, what do you take away from this? Well, my offensive line's really good. Like that, That's an entire team culture, and you can see why that success in Murfreesboro with Oakland is it's just it's a thing. It's, it's not really wavering. There's yeah. not much you can do about it. And that, there's a reason they've won 20 consecutive games and 36 in a row in region play. Their last region loss came in 2014 at Blackman to begin the year. It was that uh, ESPN televised game. Right. And that was the last time they lost a region game. So Oakland football has been – very, very strong in region play ever since. And let me tell you, the you know the atmosphere there, the they have all the support in the world. That you know their facilities, of course, are, are nice, but uh, field beautiful new turf field. But for years, this was the the game. Yeah. Because when I lived there back in the day, these were the only two schools that existed. Now, you know, Coach Creasy talks about. Uh, talks about the rivalry when we talk to him. Coach, one thing that I've heard from your players was this week this game was bigger than the team was. What were you trying to get across with that? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a rivalry game. So, you know, you throw records out the window. Uh, it's going to be a slobber knocker. And, uh, you know, they've got some really good players and, and do a really good job over there. So, uh, we were uh, expecting a tough matchup, and it was definitely our toughest of the year. Yeah, you came out, uh, took the opening, uh, your opening drive, you scored on. How big was it to get out in front early? Yeah, you know, uh, anytime, you know, you lose the toss and, and somebody's going to try to pin you inside your own territory, anytime you can uh, take it down and score, I think that's huge. And, and not just a field goal. You know, we, we had a good opening drive against Blackman and ended up with just three points. So, anytime you get seven, I think that gets big. Your, your offensive line in the first half really opened up a lot of holes and dominated. Uh, what do you say about those guys? Oh, man. Uh, our win tonight is because of the offensive line. There's no doubt uh, they did a really good job of, of playing against a really tough defense. And, uh, uh, not a lot of people have scored that many points on Riverdale, and so our offensive line uh, did a great job tonight of, of uh, making sure that they were uh, physical at the point of attack. Well, they they started to come back. Uh, you know, at halftime, they were starting to, to build some momentum. What did you tell your guys to be ready for in the second half? Well, you know, a lot of their momentum was our fault because we made so many dumb mistakes, dumb penalties. You know, we're averaging like two penalties a game. And for us to have five in one drive, that was very uncharacteristic. And uh, we just did a lot of bad stuff uh, to hurt our drives, and, and uh, we got to get those fixed. Well, you, know, you come back and you answer uh, when they score. You, you're able to answer. Um, you know, your, your offensive line was doing well. What if that defense? Uh, it's done a very good job this year for you. Yeah, you know, our defense is a bend-don't-break type of deal in which, you know, we don't really get uh, too aggressive until somebody gets in our red zone. So, uh, you know, our motto is, you know, make them snap it again and let's see what happens. Very good. Well, Coach, I'm going to let you go enjoy this victory. I do appreciate your time. Yes, Thank you so much. All right. He was, he was in, a, in a hurry. It was a TV game. It was a very long game. Yep. Uh, those guys were uh, – 
really tired when they got out there. I'll say this too, though, about Riverdale that 31 14, really nice win for the Patriots. Riverdale hung in there yep. to the very end. The Oakland put a score on the board late uh, in that fourth quarter. This Riverdale, they, they got to get over the hump. You know, they, yeah. they, they led Blackman earlier this year, and we talked about it. Blackman came all the way back. This is a Riverdale team. I don't want to – if I'm a coach, I don't want to see them in the playoffs because it just takes one night for them to get it right. And, and they're, they've shown that they're as good as some of these teams around here. Well, that, that was uh, something that I heard uh, – I didn't hear – I kind of heard secondhand uh, while I was waiting to interview – you know, Oakland feels that they may see Riverdale again down the road. Yep. I mean, I think they are, you know, they're as good as I think right now if it's season end day they might be going to Lebanon. Um, they might even be possibly as good as Mount Juliet or at least give them a fight. So. See, look, that, that was the case a couple of years ago with Mount Juliet. Mount Juliet was undefeated in the regular season, and they hosted a Riverdale team who finished fourth in that region, and they went in there and beat them. That's that's the unfortunate about Region Four Six A is that you got to go mess with those guys in Region uh, Region Three, and I mean b- top from bottom one to four. That, there's not a good draw. Well, they Oakland has just an ungodly amount of talent. I mean, it's next man up. If it's not Kennard, then it's Jordan Brown. If it's not Brown, it's Pinnell. I mean, they've been playing with they've been playing massive amounts of players all year because they've been running blowing people out and having the running clock you know i don't know that they've fielded you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they get in a dog fight where they actually are are pushed and that's the closest they've been all year this is yeah. as close as they've been all year now weirdly enough both oakland and riverdale finished with coffee county and warren county in the last two weeks hmm. so it, this is this is really their last stepping stone to the postseason, so those next two weeks are going to be important for staying healthy and just not, you know, making mistakes. I, I, I'm going to say it again. I think Riverdale's team you got to keep your eye on because they've they've shown that they can do it. Just some nights they haven't been able to put all four quarters together. That's the team where if it's just if it's one game determines all. That's that's a team I'd want to stay away from because they they can be dangerous. Okay. They they moved the ball well. They have a running back, Drew Smith. Uh, he had 17 carries, 105 yards against this Oakland defense. He is a battering ram, and he did very well. And he is the the punch to their, you know, to their jab, which is their passing game. Hmm. So uh, they they have it on both sides of the line. We got to take a break. Let's talk player of the week after this. You're listening to the 615 Preps podcast. This is Tim Pinnell. I play for Oakland High School, and you're listening to 615 Preps podcast. Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast. Time to name our player of the week. Scott, uh, throw me a name out. I've got Cade Granzow from Brentwood. 19 of 24, 258 yards, two touchdowns. He was 10 of 43, 10 carries for 43 yards and two TDs rushing in their 33 to 7 win over Franklin. I'm going to throw out Spencer Briggs from Gallatin. 192 yards and two touchdowns on 26 carries. Gallatin knocks off Hendersonville 27 to 8. Nice. I'm going to go with Demarcus Johnson, Hunter's Lane, 17 for 243 yards and five touchdowns in their 53-8 win over Glencliff. We've already talked about James Moore, but we got to mention here, too, 56 carries, 239 yards, two touchdowns. Stratford, that 14-7 win at East Nashville. But, Christian, you so got look, one more. I usually pick between you guys 
there's there's no picking this week. It's it's pretty obvious who it is. It's Kamari McGowan from Middle Tennessee Christian. 17 carries, 442 yards, seven touchdowns, converted five two-point conversions in their 60-22 to win over Franklin Grace Christian. T-plus-double-A record for rushing yards by QB. Now, he wasn't their starting quarterback until this week because of an injury, but uh, you know, he made the most of that. Uh, there, there might be a chance he is a starter. <laughs> Overruled, and I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, no no objections here. So, Kamari McGowan from Middle Tennessee Christian is our player of the week. When we come back, we'll talk about our game of the week, and it's a doozy. This is 615 Preps Podcast. We're back after this. Hey, just a reminder that Mid-State Preps Plus is looking for you. We currently have openings for sponsors on both the Mid-State Preps Plus website and the 615 Preps Podcast. Contact us at midstatepreps at gmail.com for more details. And we're back here on the 615 Preps Podcast. It's time to talk about, my opinion, the game of the year in the Midstate. It's our game of the week this week. Number four Gallatin travels to number two Beach in a battle for the Region 6 title in Class 5A. Guys, this one's a doozy. Yeah, it's it's just incredible how close the together these teams are. I'm, I'm, let me let me just go through some stats real quick. Uh, rushing on the season, Gallatin, 237.7 yards per game. Beach, 236.8 yards per game. Passing, okay, Gallatin's got them a little bit, 108 yards. Uh, Beach, 46.3. Beach is a running team. Tackles, 60.4 for Gallatin, 60.8 for Beach. Sacks, Galton's got them a little bit, 4 to 1.5. Points per game, Galton 30.7. Beach, 38.6. But the main difference there is that uh, Beach had a 67 to nothing win over Glencliff. Yep. So it kind of has skewed it. That probably is a little bit closer if I throw out that game and probably Galton's high. And then you throw game. in their 55 7 win over Station Camp last weekend. It kind of skews it a little bit more. Yeah. But. but Scoring D is where it, scoring D is where it kind of separates. Beach gives up averaging 14 points a game. Galton averages giving up 3.6 points a game, mm-hmm. yeah. and they almost got another shutout last week against Hendersonville. That defense is for real. Yep. Let's kind of go down how they got to this point. Both teams are eight and zero. And four and zero in region or three and zero in region play, but this is for the region title. The winner's going to get it, and the loser's going to be in second place. That's just how it's going to wind up. Beach first at Jackson Northside to begin the year, thirty four twenty win there. They got a missed field goal at the end of the Henry County game to give them a twenty two twenty win, and like Scott said, sixty seven nothing over Glencliff. They came back in the fourth quarter at Hendersonville to win eighteen seventeen, went at Hunters Lane thirty eight six, went at Lebanon forty to twenty one. Win against Hillsboro at home, 35-21. And then last week, beat Station Camp 55-7 to to become 8-0. They're number two in Class 5A. On the other side, Gallatin at home against Lebanon to start the year, 28-7 win. 50 to nothing over Station Camp at home. They win over Hillsboro at, in a game that actually wound up being played at Gallatin, 49-14. At Mount Juliet winning 7-0. At, Hill, or at home against Hillwood winning 42-0. 
at Wilson Central, 16-0 win. At Hunters Lane, 36-0 win. Hendersonville at home, 27-8 win. They've given up eight points in the last five games. The biggest, I think the biggest scare they got was what uh, Wilson Central, and that was the week that their quarterback was injured, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the gouging defense to me is is the the game changer here. Yep. And that even some of the, the games that you compare, they're in the same region. You look at the same common opponents. Their defense, they haven't been in a contest really this year. What the their closest game was uh, the Mountain Juliet. Yes, only seven points, and then maybe week one Lebanon there's twenty eight to seven, Wilson Central sixteen yeah. zero. They they just they, they haven't really been. Put to the test much this year? Yeah, how did I forget that seven to nothing game? Yeah, but yeah, I, I see it, what you're saying. But it's a winning formula. It's, it's oh, yeah. Spencer Briggs and it's defense, and you got to stop it. I don't know. I know we're picking this one a little later. It's just so tough. So what you're saying is you hadn't picked it yet? We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> I've I've got some individual stats. Uh, just if Go you want to, if you know. You want to tell the players about a scorecard? I'm going to give them to you. Okay. A leading rusher for Gallatin, Spencer Briggs, of course, 185.2 yards a game. But for Beach, you have Deshaun Parks. He's averaging 118 yards a game. Um, I'm going to go to the difference makers, which I think is going to be, it's going to be tackles. Um, James Mason is averaging 12.6 tackles per game he's the younger brother of jordan mason the georgia tech running back and and former and former gallatin high school record holder for single yards in a game yeah that (laughs) and and he's offset by uh brian cologne um i hope i pronounced that right i'm going with it um nine uh tackles per game so you know points per game spencer briggs averaging 12 points per game deshaun parks averaging 12.6 so the beach offense clearly goes through Jason Parks, but you know, Briggs has been a force. So, you're going to see two of the toughest runners in the mid-state in this game. Yeah. It's, it's going to be one heck of an atmosphere. Uh, I know both fan bases have really been active on social media already and it's we're recording this on Monday. On Monday. So, uh, I'm excited to get out there and, and do that mm-hmm. game. Uh, hopefully the weather will cooperate and, and not be like two weeks ago. But uh, looking forward to a great one. Now, this has been a one-sided series in the last few years. Go back to some of the older scores. Beach has won every game since 2011. And they've won seven in a row in this series. The last time Gallatin won was in 2011. They won 23-21 at home. After that, 2012, Beach won 28-0. 2013, Beach won 40-36. 2014, Beach won 41-3. Beach won 45-7 in 2015. A 28-24 win for Beach in 2016. 2017, 28-2 Beach victory. Last year, 38-20 Beach. Now, Gallatin's got a chip on their shoulder. They want to kind of turn the tide in this series, and, and I think they may have the team to do it this year, but we'll pick that game a little later on guys um yeah this is the game of the year to me just because of what's at stake how what these teams have done to get here and considering that they're both top five and five a i agree i i, I it's at least the game of the year in the regular season for certain uh, everything here is at stake uh who's you know the difference between 
uh, first and second is a big difference when you talk about going into that next uh, going to going into that next region. I think really it's the difference. Right, origi- initially I think it's the difference between who gets Summit and who gets Columbia Central. Yep. But it's the other rounds, the later rounds, there. I think it really becomes important. Yep. That's what's crazy about this region this year is that you've got a the region next to you with Summit and teams that are much, much better. And I think that's why this game is even more important. And the the crazy thing about this one is nobody really pictured Gallatin being in this picture mm-hmm. right now with the new head coach yeah. and the year that they had. For them to be here at 8-0, that's – that's huge. No matter what happens this game, just for them to be right there where they're at right now. I agree. I think it, everybody knew, everybody felt that Beach was going to be what be, what Beach always is. Yep. Really good, really consistent, really solid running team. Nobody saw Spencer Briggs coming. No. no. Nobody saw this defense coming. No. And so Gallatin has been probably the surprise, the biggest surprise of this season. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, they thought they might be decent, but nobody expected a defense to pitch five shutouts and, and four in a row and no. and be number four at this point in the year, eight and zero. Oh. I mean, that's Gallatin's got a lot of excitement in it for good reason. Chad Watson's done an incredible job over there, and you know, we'll see Friday night what this team is really made of. And I honestly believe that illustrates more than anything the importance of a coaching staff to be able to take those kids. And mold them into what he's, uh, what uh, Coach Watson and his staff have mold, uh, molded them into, also says a lot about these kids accepting what the coaches were putting out there and applying it and playing with pride every week. Beach, same thing. They are well coached. Yep. They believe this is going to be a really, really tough game. Yeah, and you know what Beach is—that it's going to be a ball control offense. They will hit you with a downfield pass if you're not careful, but they want to control the line of scrimmage, play good defense, and don't make mistakes. I mean, that's that's been the M.O. of Beach's program since Anthony Crabtree took over. It's why they've won two state championships within there, and honestly, they're in contention for a third. But this game will really show which one of these two teams has the best chance to get Cookville. It's going to be a tug-of-war. But between two juggernauts, and you just hope the rope doesn't break. Right. I mean, honestly. And they may need the rope for a second round, too. That's the <laughs> I thing. That's true. just about to say is that you're going to, like we've said with some of these other big rivals in this area, it's very possible. But let's let's not forget, though, that Paige is sitting there probably going to see one of these two teams in the second round. That's that's what I was saying. Between yeah. Paige, Summon, even though Columbia in there. Columbia's or got Shelby the potential. Vote, or yeah. Shelbyville, for that matter. And. I mean, yeah, and those teams aren't – they're they're nothing to sneeze at. Not at all. So, it really – this game has more important – you can look at it and say, well, it's the difference between first and second. In this it region, matters. It, it matters. matters. It definitely matters. So, it's a, a big game. It's our biggest game of the year to this point. Uh, we're very excited to go out to Beach. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I I got out of a prior commitment to go to this game. <laughs> There's the kind of commitment we're talking about here, folks. I mean, that's right. I should be committed. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> oh wow, you missed an opportunity. Uh, you no, could have called him right then. I, I did. I, I could have caught you right there, but no, I did not. Chose to let that go. But uh, speaking of going, let's go to break. We're back after this with who you got. This is the Six One Five Preps Podcast. <laughs> 
Welcome back to the 615 Preps Podcast. It's the time of the week again where we take our best guess, and you can either agree or disagree. We really don't care. It's who you got. Guess is underlined, bolded, italicized. It's all a guess. Okay. Yeah, my crystal ball uh, is down the street in pieces. Yeah. Well, we actually did a pretty good job as a group collectively guessing last week. Um, yeah, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Everybody, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, no, the Twitter voters would be right there with you, Scott. You you both finished seven and three, so. I got seven right. Seven, wow. Seven, yeah. You had seven. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, seven and three puts you at 56 and 34 for the season. Twitter voters are 58 and 32. Christian, eight and two last week. Nice, nice. job. Nice. I now, like it. Improving to 53 and 37. I'm working my way back up. Yep. Moving on up. <laughs> Wait a uh, minute. We don't have royalties for that. No, no, we don't. Yeah. I um, didn't. I, I just said it. We I are didn't say moving it. on up. We are moving. No. You are moving on up. Yes. Not, not, not a song. That's not, not a, song. a song. No, no, no. Um, nine and one for me. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Humble uh, brag. Six, <laughs> nine and one. Sixty-two and twenty-eight for the year. Still oh out my front. Gosh, somebody's got the. So somebody's that not guessing. Somebody knows. <laughs> somebody's well, got a little inside baseball going. You know. Hey, 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 hey! Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> um, so let's let's get to it. Uh, first off, we've mentioned Laverne already. They host Smyrna this week, and this one this one's as important as it gets for Laverne. Yeah, it's huge for this entire region. And Laverne, they've got to they kind of got to get back on on it. Uh, playoff implications on both sides, though. Smyrna, they want to stay in that hunt for a home playoff game. They really need a win here in Laverne just to get in the playoffs. You know, what, Smyrna's ready to. They haven't played their ball the last couple of weeks. They've played Cane Ridge and Ravenwood, and that's really forced them out of the, the kind of football they want to play on the ground. And Laverne, they've got to get back to giving the ball to Raymond Banner. He has really carried that team. But you know what? I, I just think Smyrna gets back on track, and uh, I, I like them on the road at Laverne. Yeah, and, and doing my research on this, uh, you know, th- both of these schools uh, were formed, I think, in the same year, in 88. So this is their 33rd year. Uh, I think Smyrna, if I'm not mistaken, has, only, has won all but one game in that amount of time in 1999. Uh, so, you know, the cards are, are, are against the Wolverines already. But, you know, you look at Smyrna, they've not played well of late. Uh, now, granted, they played Cane Ridge and Ravenwood, but – uh, they're having trouble on, you know, they had only one first down against uh, Cane Ridge. Uh, gave up 436 yards to Ravenwood last week. But, you know, a win keeps hope alive for the home playoff game. Laverne, you know, they looked like they were peaking, and then they fell apart against McGavick. And this is the team that lost by 1-11 and beat Wilson Central. I mean, this is really kind of the story of who's going to show up in what condition – I'm going to go, though, with Smyrna in this. Uh, it's kind of difficult to go against that record. My only question with Smyrna is they have really one win against any sort of quality opponent, and that's Riverdale. The others came against John Overton, McGavick, and Antioch combined for one win of, on this year. I'm really concerned that Smyrna hasn't played a, a difficult enough schedule to really prepare them for the stretch run. Now, I mean, yeah, they play Cambridge and Ravenwood, and but they they lost handily in both games. Right. And let's face it, Laverne's the desperate team here, mm. and they've been able to bounce back from losses you know, in a decent manner this year. I'm going to side with Laverne in this one to keep things interesting in that region, 
and give the Wolverines a shot to pull one out. I can see that. I mean, it's that close, I think. Smyrna's got to get the ground game going again between Z Johnson and Hartfield in the back. They, they've got, they're starting a freshman quarterback. They've made that switch middle of the mm-hmm. year. You know, I guess a freshman slump. You're not used to playing this late in the year. That backfield really has to carry the Bulldogs if they're going to have success at the end of the season. And we'll have these games out for you to vote on on Twitter at 615 underscore preps. Make sure and vote and, and get your voice in there, and, and let's see how you guys do against us. We, we put those out every Tuesday, and you can vote up until kickoff. And, and vote well. We need you to upset Chris. Now, hold on here. We need somebody to do Somebody's well. Somebody's got to do it because we're not going to do it. Well. <laughs> well, if you guys insist, fine. Um, next one. We talked about Brentwood, number five this week in 6A, hosting Knoxville Catholic. And we haven't done many games with teams outside the area, but this is one that probably was worth putting in there because it's a quality opponent coming in. Yeah, you know, Knoxville Catholic, you know, they, they're featuring an elusive quarterback in Caden Martin. Uh, he came in uh, late into the season uh, as a starter. Well, not late, but he didn't start the season there. Uh, of course, he's the son of a former – uh, UT Vol legend and current coach uh, T. Martin. Uh, we got to see him a little bit in that Brentwood Academy televised game. Um, but their running back, Country Jarman, he's really the big threat. You know, penalties and turnovers, from what I've seen, have been their biggest issue with their 5-3 and three record. Brentwood's hoping for a better result than uh, Brentwood Academy did. You know, they're hoping to stretch their win streak to five games. I like Cade Granzel. I like his arm, and I like that defense that's only giving up about 11 points a game. I'm going to go Brentwood in this game. Yeah, Knoxville Catholic, 0-3 in true road games this year. But when those road games are Innsworth, McCauley, and Baylor, there's a reason. Mm. Uh, defense is a question mark for them. 26.5 points per game given up by Knoxville Catholic. But I think I, I agree with you, Scott. Brentwood Academy – or, excuse me, just Brentwood – Kate Granzow, and they've already got that region locked up. They can kind of just – they can play. They, they don't have to worry about next week. And I, I think travel comes into play here too, Knoxville Catholic having to travel to Middle Tennessee. I think the Bruins take care of business at home. This is a really good tune-up for Brentwood for the postseason because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're at Centennial next week to, to close out the regular season. But, you know, they're going to see teams of this quality in the 6A playoffs, and, and they're going to get a good idea of what they need to do to make a deep run. Uh, I like what Brentwood's doing as of late. They're playing really good football, and, and it's hard to go against them just yeah. for that reason. So I'm going to side with Brentwood as well to make it three for three. A key game in uh, Region 4 and 6A, Lebanon at Wilson Central. Um, two teams that Lebanon's fighting for that number two seed. They kind of took one on the chin last week against Stewart's Creek. Not a region game, but it's a loss that uh, they didn't really want. I've said it this year. I just do not think this is the same Lebanon team from the last couple of years. They just they've they've won some games where the the opponent is just not up to the match. And the Blue Devils played tough against Stewart's Creek last week, seventeen to seven. They lost at home. You know what? They go to Wilson Central, and the, the Blue Devils won the last two, but Wilson Central had won the previous seven. And you know Lebanon, their four losses. Those are the teams with a combined record of twenty eight and four. They played some tough opponents, but you know what? Wilson Central, they've lost four in a row, and they've been some really four good teams. They need another win just to feel comfortable about making it to the playoffs. I think they get it at home this week. It's going to be tough, but I think the Wildcats get it done. Yeah, Wilson Central, their last game was two weeks ago in a 14-12 loss to Laverne that was on TV as well. 
gonna gonna be interesting to see how they bounce back from the open date. Uh, I'm concerned though that uh, that Wilson Central is just going in the wrong direction. And the last four last four games, 17, 0, 9, 12 points. Offensively, they're not getting it done. Yeah, I agree. That you know they're struggling. Uh, they're not putting up points. Like you said, it's averaging less than 10 points per game during this four-game losing streak. You know, Lebanon, you know, their defense hasn't played its best game yet, I don't think. It, it's. I think this game's going to be low, low scoring, but I'm going to take uh, DeQuante Shannon and crew on this one. I'm going Blue Devils. I'm going Lebanon, too. I mean, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I think for them it's a little bit of a pride issue right now. Wilson Central is going to be desperate having lost four in a row, but – now, Lebanon's fighting for for home field in the first round, and, and and this is a good reason for them to 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 rise up and, and have a good performance. And I think they get a win here to to get them closer to number two. I'll give me Lebanon in this one. Let's stay in that region though. Hendersonville travels to Rossview again, also number two in play for a couple of these teams. Yeah, it's a must-have game I think for both teams. You know, with a win this week, Rossview climbs back in the playoff picture. A loss, and they're pretty much all but done. I yeah. think um, Henderson how I'm sorry, Hendersonville has five losses on the season. Who, who who saw that coming? But, you know, but here's the list. You know, Oakland, you got a one-point loss to Beach, a one-point loss to Lebanon, a seven-point loss to Independence, a bad loss to Gallatin. It sounds tough, but you look at the wins that they have. Giles County 4-4, four and 0-8 four, Station Camp, a good win against Wilson Central. This game, this team's on a four-game slide. I think they break out of it. I'm going Hendersonville in this game. I agree. I think it's all commandos in this one. Uh, Rossview lost to Wilson Central earlier this year. That's what really puts them behind the eight ball when it comes to, to the playoffs and all the scenarios. And I think it's just a Hendersonville team that has not been able to put it together completely. But I think they do because, you know, you lose to Gallatin, not Gallatin. Like, you know, this year that's kind of expected. I think they get it together on the road and for a uh, for a win that sets up a pretty interesting matchup next week at Mount Juliet. Yeah, Rossview needs a win and some help to be even in contention for the playoffs. I don't think they get either one of them, honestly, and I'm going with Hendersonville because I think the Commandos are the better team on paper to me, and I think that they, they need it just as much, if not more, just to do what they want to do in the season. Uh, I'll take Hendersonville as well, so it's three for three there as well. Number six, Ravenwood, hosting Cane Ridge. I thought this one was so hard to pick. And yep. I got to apologize to Scott earlier on. I still don't think they're state championship <laughs> contenders. They're a really good team right now. They are playing really well. They got healthy. It's hard. To, we've said this this year. They were not healthy to begin the year. Nope. They, they were banged up. Two weeks in, they took they took some hard losses to begin the year. And they are just on a roll right now. They've won six in a row, and they're averaging forty-three points per game in those. In those, and they dominated a pretty good Hillsboro team last time out. Mm-hmm. You know, Ravenwood. A lot of news lately. You get Coach Daniels back from a suspension, and it's interesting. They really don't have a shot at a region title right now. Mm-hmm. If you're Ravenwood, they're having to go and play for second place, a home playoff game against Independence next week. I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. I think the trio of receivers with Quentin Barnes, Tyroid Good, and Adondi Mitchell, those three are really tough to cover. Ravenwood's got a good defense. I don't think they know how good this Cane Ridge offense is. I think the Ravens go to Ravenwood and upset the Raptors. Who? I disagree. Ravenwood got back to team play last week. 
for two weeks without Daniels, I think that they actually uh, lost their focus. They lost, uh, you know, what it meant to be a team. I mean, we, you know, Reggie Grimes talked about it last week. You know, they weren't ready to play when they went to uh, CPA. Not last week, but the week before. I'm sorry. Uh, so I think that Coach Daniels being back has got them refocused. They, you know, this team has all the weapons. Yeah, I think that it's going to be in some case shoot. But Cambridge, you know, they have won six straight games and they're going to battle the line. But this is a game made for Reggie Grimes. This is what, this is his showcase. This is his chance. This is a quality opponent, and I think he makes a difference here. I'm going to go with Ravenwood. That, I like I like both of your arguments here. This is a tough game to pick because, honestly, this is a game that's going to happen again three weeks down the line in the second yep. round. It's very, very likely that we see these two teams play each other again. I feel like Caden Ridge can win the first one, but I think Ravenwood might get him in the playoffs if that happens. I don't know. Uh I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going with Kane Ridge. It's a toss-up for me. It's a toss-up for me for, for a number of reasons. No, it, it, I, I get it. I do. I get it. And, yeah, wow, the one guy who was picking Kane Ridge is pick, picking Ravenwood. <laughs> Ravenwood, I just, I just think that if Ravenwood is going to make a statement going into the playoffs, this is a game they got to make it. And what a scheduling strategy by Ravenwood to end the year. Smyrna and Ravenwood – or, excuse me, Smyrna and Kane Ridge – both teams you could face in the playoffs. I think that's pretty pretty good idea there from Ravenwoods. Let's get some tape on both teams. Yeah. Oh, it's not against bad our at all. guys. That's an excellent point. It's that is an bad. excellent point. It's not bad. Not Kane Ridge's finish isn't bad either. You know, they were at Smyrna, won that one big, beat Hillsborough big, and they're at Ravenwood, and then they've got Laverne to finish the year. It's not a bad finish for Kane Ridge either. They're gonna get tested. Yes. So uh, this ought to be a fun game to watch, too. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that one Friday night as well. Number 10, Creekwood in 4A travels to Portland. This is a game in a region where nobody knows what the heck's going on because everything's so jumbled up. What this a, is one of the key games to unlock that picture just a little bit. I think everybody in that region is like 500. They're right at 500. <laughs> Except for White House, yes. For, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. What a difference a couple of weeks makes. I mean, uh, if, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Portland was on top. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know now they're struggling just to stay in the playoff race. Yeah. And you know the first six weeks they averaged thirty five points per game. In the last two weeks, nine point five. Yeah. yeah. You know, but Creekwood's given up points lately, but they they're still they're just an overtime loss away from being undefeated. It's a tough pick because, and they really can't look forward to Springfield. They can't look past Portland. Uh, they've got a good back in Danny Stansbury to offset uh, Caleb Mandrell. I'm going to go Creekwood. I agree, and I tell you what, this is a huge game for Portland, obviously all the standings and everything. This is their final game. Their bye week's next week. Yep. And so if, if you want to have a shot, you really don't want to be at home looking around the region next Friday hoping everything goes your way. Right. But I just don't see it. That Creekwood's won the last two meetings since they've been put in the same region. And, and the Portland defense, they're, just, they're struggling lately. Five Last five games, they're giving up 35 points per game. They're desperate for a win, but I don't think they get it. The big thing for Portland here is because of their loss to White House Heritage, if they lose this game, they're rooting for Montgomery Central hard next week. And mm -hmm. it, it's trouble for Portland because of the way their schedule's set up. Uh, their defense has let them down in recent weeks. 
and Creekwood's getting hot at the right time. And I think that Creekwood comes out of here with a with a win and kind of really gets to the top of that region. They'll be able to play. They have Portland and Springfield to finish up, and they'll have a chance to get that number one seed away. And I think that they need this game against Portland because of that Springfield game that's looming on the horizon. So there's they're not going to look past. They need this game. Here's another one that could be really fun. Number two, Pearl Cone and 3A traveling to Independence. Yeah, some of these metro schools going out to Williamson County and playing some big games this week. You know, both teams, they're coming off huge blowout wins. Um, Pearl, two consecutive shutouts. They've given up just six points in region games. That's outstanding. You know, Independence gave up 49 yards and three first downs against Dixon County last week. So, a lot of people might talk about the defense that Pearl Cones had, and you look back to the East Nashville game, look at Brentwood, or excuse me, look at Independence. They're they're playing some defense, too. I'm going to go with quarterback play. I'm going to go with Ethan Cash and Independence. I just – the way that they run the offense, especially through Cash, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Well – uh, Pearl Cone is undefeated largely due to their ground game. Now, they're averaging 6.1 yards carry, uh, 14.7 yards per catch. And Coach Bernetti's on a mission to represent Metro schools, I think. And I think he sells that. They do give up a lot of passing yards. You're right. I think Cash is likely to have a good game. But team speed is something that I think that Pearl Cone has and has in bunches you know they get that one-two punch of Breedlove and uh dayton uh wow this one is really really tough and i want to pick pearl but i'm not i'm gonna pick independence hmm. you guys just gave me a window i'm going with pearl cone and here's why pearl cone's defense you throw away the game against hillsborough where they gave up 40 points in a shootout no team has scored 16 more than 16 points in them this year. Yeah. And that includes NBA. That includes Kane Ridge. Of course, Kane Ridge was ailing in the early in the year, but still, 12 to Kane Ridge, 15 to NBA. You know, they shut out East Nashville. They held Stratford to six points. And Pearl Cone can play some defense, and Independence is going to find that out this week. Yeah. Uh, Independence is playing really good football right now, but I just think Pearl Cone has something to prove. If Dayton has 100 yards, Pearl Cone wins. I'll take that one. Give me Pearl. Three more to go, and another top-ranked team, Nolansville in 4A, number four, traveling to Franklin. And this, It's interesting because the, the entire non-region dynamic this year has been 5A against 6A in yeah. Williamson County. Yeah. I think it might shift this week to 4A to 6A because mm-hmm. I think Nolansville, they got a really good shot in this one. 8 yeah. no. But you know what? A, a win against a really quality Franklin team that's been beat up in their own region, I think that puts just another cherry on top of this regular season. Uh, Nolansville's playing outstanding defense, led by Tim Kutras. He's yes. got seven mm-hmm. INTs yep. this year. That defense giving up less than seven points a game. Franklin struggled to score points at times this year, and like I said, a lot of that is due to their opponents. I'm going to go with Nolansville. I, I think the Knights go to Franklin and – I think Franklin Franklin's really looking to next week. They got a game against Dixon County, which they really need to make sure they get in the playoffs. I think Nolansville wins this one. Yeah, you know, you know we all talk about Ryder Gallardi and Tim Kutris on offense, and you're right. We don't talk enough about their defense. Uh, but you know, and honestly, they haven't been playing Riverdale, 
Ravenwood, Independence, or Brentwood like Franklin has. I mean, that's a murderer's row. Oh, man. Something in me tells me that Franklin is really going to come out and play well this week, but I don't think they're going to beat the Knights. I think Nolansville takes this one. Yeah, we, we can't really compare defenses across classifications just because of the yep. schedules they play. It's kind of a little bit unfair to some, I guess, would be the argument there. But still, you play who you play, and Nolansville's kept the teams that they played to under 14 points for, for nearly every game. Uh, Watertown scored 14. That's the most they've given up all year. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you, I, and I think you're exactly right. You can't judge a team on what their schedule is. I do. I, I agree with you. I think it's an excellent point. With that said, no one's still got a good defense, and I think they'll win this game. So, you know, the, night, the Knights get the sweep. Oh, I thought he might. We, we gave him a window. He didn't take it. No, I shut the window. <laughs> a, a window that's barely open is for Brentwood Academy. They host Ensworth in a game that they've got to have. Oh, wow. This one's going to be tough because Brentwood needs this so badly. Uh, you know, if they want to control any of their own playoff destiny, they have to have it. But Innsworth, you know, they have an excellent defense. They're only giving up 12.5 points per game. They create turnovers. Their offense is balanced. They got a good quarterback in Bullock. That's just a lot. And everything runs through Jordan James with Brentwood Academy. He's their bell cow. I expect him to see a lot of carries. But – Home field advantage has to count for something, and I think desperation will carry Brentwood Academy in this game. Ensworth has not defeated B.A. since 2014, and it's interesting because they beat a Knoxville Catholic team this year who beat Brentwood Academy. And I, th- I think you're right. It's hard to believe that a team that's won four consecutive state titles is in jeopardy of not even qualifying for the playoffs. And I just – I think B.A. needs this one much, much worse. And I think they get one – it's not going to be easy. Mm-mm. This is a real toss-up, but I think they get it just out of desperation. Yeah. Now, Brentwood Academy, you cannot count on getting help. And they have to have Father Ryan beat Knoxville Catholic in order to make the playoffs should they lose this game. Oh, boy. That, that's, right. That's, that's help <laughs> that they don't, they don't necessarily think they can get. I wouldn't count on it. No, nope. you, you can't count on it. So they, this is a must-win game for Brentwood Academy. That said, Ensworth's just playing better. They are. They are just playing. playing better. And I'm going Ensworth on this one just because I think that the Tigers, you know, they're going to be that. They're the three seed right now. They could wind up the number two seed with the, with the right results. So. I I wrestled on this one for exactly what you just said. That all the pressures on Brentwood. All, you know, they come out tight or they come out, you know, playing in quicksand, it, it, it'll go bad for them. I just think that they have to have this so bad that they'll come out focused. Uh, let's check what the rain uh, looks like, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. Because huh? that, uh, I mean, it, and truthfully, if it does, it may actually favor them because James is a, a good back. Yeah. We've got one more. Guys, we talked about Gallatin and Beach earlier in the show, and now it's come time to pick him. Number four, Gallatin, and number two, Beach. Give me a winner and give me a score for this one. Ooh, a score. Ooh, a score. Wow, we're changing it up. Ugh. I've got down here on my notes, I think it's the first one to ten might win this one. 
I I just think it's a defensive ball game. I it's so tough because it's it's been beach the last couple of years, and then all year long you just keep thinking, well, this might be the week Gallatin goes down. Now they're playing a good Mountain Juliet team. Oh, they're playing they're playing Hendersonville. You know, Hendersonville's not the same this year, but though it just it hadn't happened. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quit doing that. I'm gonna go with Spencer Briggs and the Gallatin Green Wave. It's gonna be a I don't even know how to put into words what that environment's going to be like yeah. on Friday. I mean, if you're in that area, you're probably going to be there. Yeah, get get over there for yes. that game. Yeah. Get over I, there I get there early, too. I yes. get there real yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. Can you camp out? Um. <laughs> Some of the kids actually at Beach have done that, like for homecoming and stuff. Yeah. It's been really cool to see that. But I don't know if we'll do that this week. But yeah, I don't think anybody my age and Dave's loud anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to – I'll put a score on it. I'll go Gallatin 17, Beach 14. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Scott. Um, yeah, okay. I wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, you have more offense than I do. I mean, you know, Buccaneers, they know how to weather a storm. They do. Mm, but this green wave is a little too strong in my thing. And I think that they are going to be uh, – that Galton's going to – Shipwreck the the bucks in this one. Oh brother! Uh, oh brother! <laughs> I'm gonna say the score of Gallatin fourteen, Beach thirteen. Hmm. Ooh, Gallatin fourteen, Beach thirteen. I was waiting for him to put like a safety in there, like yeah, three to two. Well, I, I, I did <laughs> think about that. I was actually gonna go twelve to ten, but and, and just for that little pun you threw out there. Oh, boo. Boo. <laughs> boo. Trust me, if Beach wins, I'll probably hear a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, you will hear a lot of that if that happens. But, uh, yeah, I struggled with this pick. Uh, going back and forth, finding reasons to pick the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come down for me to two things. Who hits a big passing play and who makes a special team's mistake. There it is. Yep, the latest we've ever brought up special teams. No, no, I don't think I think we've been later than that on special teams. Well, I don't know. We're we're past an hour. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, it is. Maybe, maybe it is. is. But uh, it's going to come down to those two things for me. Beach is pretty sound in special teams, and Gallatin's been really good this year as well. So whoever slips loses. I'm going Gallatin fourteen, Beach seven. I hope yep. the whole slip use of word there wasn't about the weather. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope it doesn't. Either. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> oh, either. I hope it doesn't either. <laughs> but if it does, but yeah. it, well, these are two running teams yeah. anyway. So, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's going to be who can avoid mistakes. To me, the key to this game, James Mason. Yeah. To me, he is the key to this game. Yeah. I yeah. think Gallatin's defense is what's going to what's going to drive. Mason this. will draw extra attention from Beach's blockers. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, it's going to be a wild one. I, I'm excited. Like we've said before, it, it's our game. It's my game of the year personally at this point. And this game seems like if, if somebody gets a two-possession lead, it's going to feel like you're up 40 points. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The way these teams run the ball and grind clock, yeah. But nah, mm-hmm. I just don't know if they'll be able to get that separation or not. No. Of course, <laughs> given my pick record, this is going to be a 42-40 blowout. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, watch watch them combine for a hundred, and then we'll just have to eat over our words a, next week. Over a thousand yards of offense, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're gonna be like, what? Happened? It's gonna be Parks and Briggs. <laughs> it's gonna be a track meet. We're gonna be like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. What? Did, defense is still on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> defense optional. <laughs> Who knows? But no, we're looking forward to it. We'll be glad to be out at Beach. Uh, if you guys see us, say hi. Um, ready for this game. Ready for Friday. I hope you are too. That's all the time we got this week from the 615 Preps Podcast. We've had a blast. Hope you've enjoyed it. See you at Beach. Check with us next week. We'll tell you all about it. Yep. For Christian Capozzi, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. We'll see you next time. See you. Wedge blocker. Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Square Media LLC.